This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. The Lost Food Project is a not-for-profit organisation in Malaysia that rescues good food that would otherwise end up in landfills and redistributes it to those in need. They have also teamed up with other organisations to tackle issues on saving food and reducing waste. And in 2023 alone, they rescued a whopping 2.28 million kilograms of food, the equivalent of over 6.5 million nutritious meals, and prevented 5.7 million kilograms of greenhouse gases from being Emitted. Their latest endeavour is the Surplus Pet Food Project, an initiative aimed at supporting animal shelters, rescuers and street feeders. Today on the show, I'm catching up with Suzanne Mooney. She is the founder of the Lost Food Project. Also joining us, Gayathri Liu. She is the PR and communications manager. We're going to find out all about the work that they're doing uh, in preventing food waste. Welcome, ladies. How are you today? Thank Great. You, Very well. Thank you for having us on, Juliet. Absolute pleasure. Suzanne, so lovely to see you again. Really, really nice to have you back on the show. And of course, you're joining us all the way from uh, Switzerland today, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. Yes, but um, uh, but of course, you know, it was uh, you and your team that started off uh, the Lost Food Project. What was it, back in 2015, was it, Suzanne, when it all yeah, kind of we kicked started, off? Yeah, we started back in 2015, although it feels like a lot longer, about 100 <laughs> years ago. Um <laughs> We had a group of friends actually from the school, from the Alice Smith School, who decided to uh, to basically make a difference because we knew there was so much uh, food being wasted and we were already helping a charity who, who needed more food. So we were we kept on buying food and we just realised that A, it was you know expensive and we were asking all these people um, to donate money to buy food. But we also knew that in terms of the planet and the environment, this was just actually you know part of the problem. And really, we should be rescuing food. So we tried to um, find organisations that could help us to give food to um, this charity we were helping. And there wasn't any. And that's when we decided to do something ourselves. We thought it would be small at the time, but because of the need, it's just snowballed and, and grown and grown into where we are today. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, absolutely amazing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before before we get to that, right, I mean, would you be able to provide some some stats, you know, some scary stats, I suppose, about food waste in Malaysia and perhaps even globally, if you if you can, to help us understand the scale of the issue? You know, how, how does food waste actually affect our environment? So in terms of um, globally, the reason that food waste is such an important issue, and I think most people um, you know, are not aware of this really, is that 34% of greenhouse gases, over a third of greenhouse gases are caused by the food supply chain. It's enormous. You know, we're all worrying about holidays and you know, putting gas in your car and, and whatever else. But actually, you know, food waste is a huge, huge contributor to, um, you know, all the energy that's used in the world. And it's also kind of depleting, you know, the soil. It's contributing to the methane going into uh, the air at landfill. It's it's really, really um, an important issue that's largely been overlooked, um, I, I would say, in the in the past. So... It's it's crazy not to to address it because also you can help feed people as well as um, you know obviously add benefit to to the environment. So it just seems you know the obvious thing to do is to um, address this, and it's actually quite simple. The logic is simple. It's just joining the dots and just trying to become more efficient. 
how do we you know rescue food and where does it go to and if we can do that then we'll have a significant impact on the planet you know like for example um, most people don't realize that in terms of producing food particularly animal food which is one of the reasons we'll be talking about you know pet food later on um, one of the, the the key statistics that really always shocks me is that if you look at all the trees chopped down in the world, 74% of trees are chopped down in order to make food. So this is, um, this is why food production is so key. And we know that by 2050, um, the population is going to increase by, I think it's like a, a third, almost a third. And the food demand is going to be up by 50%. So already, you know, soils and food systems are, are depleted. And really, it's difficult to produce the amount of food we're producing now. And with the added supply, um, or the added demand, should I say, of, you know, an increasing population, there's going to be really significant problems in the next 10, 10 years. And so... Addressing food waste is vital if we want to feed people. Otherwise, there's not going to be enough food for people in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great that you mentioned that, Suzanne, because the stats that we got um, right up to 2020, it's about 17,000 tons of daily food waste in Malaysia. And that's a huge amount. And yeah. all of that's going to the landfill, right? So it's like uh, when, when they dump it in the landfill, it decomposes and produces this toxin called leche mm -hmm. and it seeps into the ground into the soil and it goes into the water and you know our seafood the fish and all that eats that and we're actually eating that in return so it comes back in a full circle mm -hmm. so on top of that it's about 820 million people go hungry every single day globally and about 22 percent of malaysian um, children undergo stunted growth due to food insecurity so Food insecurity actually means like we are privileged to have at least three meals a day and these children, just one meal and that does not even cover the full nutrition nutritional value mm -hmm. that they're supposed to, to get as a growing children. Yeah. So we see that huge gap and why not we try to, if not be the solution, but be part of the solution in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because I, what was it? Uh, UNEP, I think, right? Uh, they said so people globally waste, what is it? One billion tons of food each year, right? And and one third of all food produced globally is lost or wasted. It's 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 such a huge problem. It's it's How can we possibly ignore it, right? So mm -hmm. obviously, um, you know, you guys aren't ignoring it. You've not been ignoring it all this while. Um, so we do know that food waste, you know, it is not just... It's not just food waste, it affects the environment, it affects human health. Uh, it's, you know, so many different um, aspects linked to it as well. So when you guys were thinking about uh, addressing food security, food insecurity, right? Um, how did you, well, I mean, maybe you can help explain uh, how exactly you address that issue. So you want to explain how you operate in terms of rescuing and redistributing food? You want to, yeah, could you share that with us as well? So basically, um as you said earlier, um, Juliet, between sort of 30 and 40 percent of food globally in almost every country, it's the same kind of statistics, are thrown away at somewhere along the supply chain from farm to fork. Um, so our job is to identify the areas 
where food is is lost and we see ourselves we call ourselves food rescuers Mm -hmm. you know because somewhere along that chain food is lost so at the farm there's a huge amount of food that's lost for lots of different reasons it could be that you know that they haven't they don't need the hot full crop and it costs money to to harvest when the food is not going to be used so it's just left there or it's left and it's not bought or it's not packaged properly or it's not transported properly um there's other reasons as well i could go on which i won't but then you've got kind of you know it goes to the manufacturers and due to manufacturing um processes food is also lost at manufacturing level and it's also lost in the warehouse for again for different reasons some because of you know internal SOPs some because of a a small amount because of mismanagement a small amount because of you know incorrect ordering etc etc and then it gets transported again and that's another area where food can be damaged or lost and then you go into the store and again, there's lots of different reasons within the store that food um, is not sold. Sometimes it's because it's below a threshold, like for example, a shop might say, we're only gonna sell products that uh, have at least six months. And if there's only five months on the product, mm. it gets, it's not used. Um, and then, um, you know, it might not always be bought because the shops always have to um, purchase enough so that when we go into the shop, it looks lovely and full and shiny. Um, otherwise, shoppers will go into another shop. And then when it goes home, we don't always, all of us are guilty, me as well, even the founder of the Lost Food Project, we're all guilty of having a little, you know, kind of ugly, um, kind of over overripe cucumber at the back of the fridge yeah, or, yeah. you know. Maybe you'll have something in the cupboard. But another area is that people don't understand date labelling. And this is really super important. And a lot of the educational work that we're doing, I I personally go into schools and universities and do this, is trying to explain uh, food safety and food facts to people. Because, um, you know, we have to understand the problem to actually solve it. Yeah. Would you want to give us a very quick, like, you know, some examples, you know, people don't understand, like best before, they don't, exp- uh, you know, those are the sorts of uh, phrases as well that people aren't quite familiar with. You want to give us a very quick crash course? Of course, of course. So basically, most food um, that's in a can or in a packet or a jar is never going to damage your health, Okay. I mean, unless you open it and bacteria grow inside it, you leave it out for months and months. But in terms of it being sealed and uh, it's 100% safe, the only thing that might sort of um, be altered is the quality or the taste. So if you have a a tin of of beans or you have a packet of of pasta and it's a week over past the the best before date, it's 100% safe. You know, you're not going to get sick from it. It might not taste great. Um, but you should always use your eyes and your your nose and then your your tongue to taste to see if something is is right or not. Of course, we have to be super safe with the use by. So if it's anything that's you know meat or fish or or dairy related, you have to be you know more cautious. But um, there are so many people that are just literally throwing away millions of ringgits and dollars worth of food all over the world because they're looking at a date without actually mm-hmm. really understanding what it means. So when the Lost Food Project sees that, right, then so you kind of swoop in and rescue these types of foods then? Is that pretty much what what happens as well? Yes, so we rescue the food and then we redistribute it to those in need. Mm-hmm. So they could be the B40 communities, uh, the PPR, some of the refugees, 
um, because we know that they don't have the ability, the privilege to spend so much. Mm -hmm. So we try to help them in this way. So we rescue them and then we redistribute them. And then we also do uh, sorting of, say, the, the fresh produce. And those ones that looks a bit bad or a bit yellowish, we compost them. So everything is, you know, recycled. So zero waste. Yeah. Zero waste. <laughs> yes, <Okay>. completely. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, let's just go for a quick break, ladies. When we come back, uh, let's talk about some of the key achievements of the Lost Fruit Project and some of the new things that you guys are working on. I'm speaking today to Suzanne Mooney. She's the founder of the Lost Fruit Project and Gayatri Liu. She's the PR and Communications Manager also with the Lost Fruit Project. We're talking about how they are preventing food waste, saving lives and also saving the environment. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me today in the studios are Gayatri Liu. She's the PR and Communications Manager from the Lost Fruit Project. And joining us online all the way from Switzerland is Suzanne Mooney, the founder of the Lost Fruit Project. We are talking about the organisation, which is a not-for-profit organisation which rescues good food that would otherwise end up in landfills and redistributes it to those in need. So they are preventing food waste, they are saving lives, they are also saving the environment. We want to find out more about the work that they do. So... Uh, before the break, you know, uh, you ladies explained like how huge this problem is and uh, why it's really something that, that can be tackled, isn't it? That can, there are solutions uh, and, you know, Lost Food Project has been doing that. And you guys also have been, uh, you know, collaborating with many, many different stakeholders, right? You've also been working with businesses, uh, so many other people. You want to talk to me a little bit about, you know, that whole collaboration that has helped uh, also the Lost Food Project grow into what it is today. So it's really, really important, I think, for, for everybody that we, we work together to solve big problems. And, you know, for the Lost Food Project, our kind of, I guess, our area of expertise is um, innovation and supply chain in terms of connecting the dots. However, we need the food donors to actually give us the food. And we need to um, have a relationship with our beneficiaries to make sure that all the food is distributed in a timely and compliant way. But we also need corporates to be involved in what we're doing for, for a number of different reasons. We need, obviously, financial support because, you know, we, we give out all the food for free to the people in need. Um, and we have, you know, operating costs. We've got a, a very large warehouse and, you know, we need you know assistance with the, the logistics support. But we also want to, it's an opportunity for us to engage and have CSR activities. So it's opportunities for companies to come in and we have like, you know, vegetable sorting um, kind of tables that come in and they help to sort out some of the food and help send to the charities. We try and make it fun. We have like the vegetable dance where everyone kind of gets involved and it, it's fun. And we have like composting um, activities because we... Activities. We have a partner, a uh, compost partner, mm -hmm. so we would invite them to come in to teach the corporates or the volunteers on how to um, compost the food, food waste, waste. Um, in a sustainable way mm -hmm. and what we can use it for, how we can upcycle it into many different other other things. Okay, and you provide that to, let's say, organisations or, or corporates or anybody who's uh, participating, yeah. 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 Gosh, I've got to get you guys to come in and teach BFM. We are terrible <laughs> with our food waste. It's a terrible situation here. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So when they come in for a CSR day or CSR initiative at the Lost Food Warehouse, um, so apart from the sorting, we also, um, apart from the sorting and the composting, we also uh, track each and 
every part of it. So whatever comes in and whatever goes out, we track them, we measure them, and that's how we get the numbers and the matrix in our impact report. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's a it's a full report from it's it's a fun part of the CSR, yes, but we also have the compliant part of it where we have the guidelines, how to track it, how to measure it, who is it going out to. We take pictures, we weigh each and every item and basket, and then we tabulate that data. So in a way for us, we do a data analytics on our end, and then we create an impact report uh, each month mm-hmm. or each uh, or for each CSR activity for the corporate itself. Because sometimes they would like to come in, when they come in for a CSR day, they would like to see how much food they have rescued mm-hmm. and how many um, kgs of meals or how many meals they have prepared from uh, that kg of food that they rescued, as well as who are the charities and beneficiaries that is uh, the recipients, basically, mm-hmm. from the um, CSRD. Yeah. Okay. Now, data is very, very important. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure the corporations really love that as well. In terms of like working with the stakeholders, so working with the beneficiaries, um, would you say, I mean, what challenges have you encountered uh, in, redi- in redistributing food to them and how have you overcome those sorts of challenges? Um, so from from our part is when some of the charities or the beneficiaries, they live a bit far mm. from the warehouse and they don't have their own transport or vehicle or even um, a liaison to come to pick up the food. And we do have a volunteering uh, driver program where, you know, if you are passing by uh, that certain area, you could help us to come and pick up and deliver it to them. But very often it's not. Um, not so large. Okay. So that is one of the issues that I've seen. So some of them are really far away and uh, we can't reach them. Okay. So we feel really bad. And also, um, we also cater to the Orang Asli community. So some of them are really deep in and a bit further away from, you know, Klang Valley or from the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the challenges. Accessibility. Uh, la. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Suzanne, what, what, what do you like? would you like to like, uh, add anything to that? Sure. No, I think that um, this is why I was saying before that, you know, if um, companies are into, you know, their SDGs and ESGs, um, you know, Gaitri is right. It's all about for us data and um, impact um, information that can be shared with to see, for people to actually see what they're, what difference they've made. I think knowing the difference you've made um, kind of really sort of changes a, a CSR activity. Um, and Gaitri's right, you know, um, in terms of our logistics, we're limited um, by, you know, our budget. If we had, you know, companies that wanted to come in and say sponsor or, or work with uh, delivering food to a particular charity, that would be really, really welcomed, you know, because all of us are in this together. You know, we can't do everything. We're a small NGO that was set up by a group of like five or six friends. You know, of course, we've expanded and we've got some great staff and we've got, you know, quite a few volunteers. But really, you know, if we want to have maximum impact, we need to have, you know, kind of more people involved doing a small part because the key for success is lots of people doing a small amount and that's how we can make a difference. Um, if you know companies want to have more you know purpose with their um, ESGs with their you know CSR projects, then we've got lots of ideas and suggestions that you know people can come and, and work with us to, to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's more about we you know for us the 
the sort of the obstacles are you know we want to we want to scale up we're very keen because we're we're all very sort of aware of the, the you know the climate problems and the amount of food that's still being thrown away mm-hmm. every day i think it's about 50 million meals worth of food um, good quality food that could be eaten is thrown away every day in Malaysia. I think 48 million meals. So, um, so that gives us energy. That makes us motivated to do what we do. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we're restricted um, by you know budgets and by you know personnel. So the more people that get involved, you know, the more we can do. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the Pat Food Project. Yeah. So we got really good support from UEM Agenda. So they collaborated with us, pioneered the whole project. So, okay. yeah, you, for so example, of collaborations that um, Suzanne was talking about. So okay. I'd like to yeah. thank you, Agenda. <laughs> okay, well, this seems like a good segue now to talk about this new project, of course. Uh, really, really, I, I, I don't know, because obviously I'm a pet lover and I was really, really heartened to see uh, this surplus pet food project come out. Um, yeah, because we always hear the animal shelters struggling, uh, you know, to feed. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about how this came to be. Uh, yeah, tell us about it, Suzanne. Sure. So basically, we work, we've got this new um, system that we're actually testing at the moment. We'll be rolling out very soon, which we're super excited about. I think it's going to change the way we work a little bit. It's a kind of platform which allows us to automate much of our work and give out some really specific, precise data. I don't think that many people in the world are doing. We can basically measure every item that comes into our warehouse. We can measure the... um, the CO2 and the water content of every item. And we're also looking at nutritional statistics, which we maybe we can talk about later or another time, because I think this also is another of our key pillars. But anyway, um, we're working with some UK scientists who have given us all their data and we're, we've got an ongoing partnership with them so that we've got the most accurate um, environmental data to work on. And we were quite surprised to find out that pet food has got a huge environmental footprint for all sorts of reasons. Um, But obviously, most of the the pet food is made up of meat. Mm. There's like Mm. meat content. I mean, it's in terms of a plate of food for a human versus, you know, food for for animals. And yeah, we know that there's a lot of uh, shelters out there that need the food. So again, it's a parallel kind of project. Our focus is obviously always feeding people. However, the companies that we work with also produce this pet food. So if they've got this pet food going to waste, we might as well rescue it at the same sort of time that we're rescuing um, because our because we know the uh, impact it has on the environment. So that's why it started in the first place. Okay. Mm. And you mentioned the partners that you've got working and you've also identified the uh, the various uh, beneficiaries, the animal shelters, the, the rescuers, street mm-hmm. feeders. How did you go about uh, enlisting them as well? Um, so we have a charity application form. Okay. Um, so apply to the form. We'll uh, do our due diligence. We'll uh, visit the home or the place where they are keeping the, the shelter. Ca- the yeah. shelters, sorry, the shelters. So we'll visit them, and we'll make sure you know everything is in place and as what has is been um, filled up in the form. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we could um, see how much food they need. And then we would um, every three months we would send food to to the shelters. Okay, yeah. okay. No, what a brilliant idea! I really, I don't know why it seems like oh, such an like a no-brainer, but yeah, here we are. It's wonderful, wonderful that you guys have come up with this solution. It's really, really great. And hopes also that it might be something that you can expand uh, with other companies as well, yeah? Always open to that? Always. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. I think, um, you know, like another sort of similar collaboration, not quite the pet food project, but we work with Saim Darby in the same way, Yaya San Saim Darby, to collect um, all the fresh fruit produce from um, Passabarong. And uh, again, having collaborations, whether it be companies that want to work with pet food or want to work with, you know, fresh fruit and vegetables or want to work, you know, with specific rescues, we really, really kind of um, welcome. It just makes us, it just makes it all possible and we can execute these things. But we we do need um, corporate support to do that. And with Yaya San Sain Darby, you know, the, the support they've given us, we we've managed to rescue like almost 80% of the food that we rescue for people um, is healthy, nutritious fruit and vegetables. Um, So it's a pillar for for them and it's a pillar for us. So everyone kind of benefits in the end. Okay. All right. And, um, you you know, from when we first spoke, Suzanne, which I think must have been 2016, 2017, right? You know, as you mentioned, it's that the team has expanded, you know, the Lost Food Project, all your pillars, I think even, I mean, yes, your main pillars, of course, are there, but everything has has grown so much, right? Um, You want to tell us a little bit about some of the other plans also that you, uh, aside from the surplus uh, pet food project, you've got some other plans in the pipeline. Line, some other projects that you're working on as well? Sure. So basically, we, we're actually um, just developing our next three-year strategy plan at the moment. But, you know, obviously expansion is uh, always kind of a very key area for us to, to be working on because we're so keen to to scale up and to help other people around the country, both in uh, in Malaysia and, and East Malaysia. So we have got some plans. Um, We want to sort of develop, um, you know, platforms and and remote way of giving to more people Um, and also using kind of less volunteers um, might be a way of making it more efficient. So this is something we're looking at. We've just um, established a really great relationship with the Global Food Banking Network as well. So we're part of a global family and that really is helpful and it is supportive sharing information um, the lost food project has also um, stretched out its uh, long tentacles to as far as europe we're operating here now in switzerland as well um, but i think you know in terms of you know our long longer term goals i think that definitely you know the scaling up is is very important for us obviously um, nutrition and the metrics the the system that we're hopefully rolling out, you know, in the next quarter of this year is is extremely interesting. And I think that becoming more and more professional and capacity building is such an underrated, under misunderstood um, component of, of charities. And we've spent so much of our time, we've got such great committee members who are really dedicated to professionalizing lost food. And this is something that's probably not considered so much, but you know, in terms of our governance and compliance, and in terms of scaling up and our professionalism, this is an area we've really hankered down on because we know to be sustainable and to have longer-term goals, we need to sort of, you know, make sure everything, you know, in our we call it Lost Food Central, is 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 good and strong. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we've been working on as well. Okay, but that's really you know interesting to hear that you know all the way in Switzerland as well and. Uh, there are also, I think, some expansion plans. Uh, maybe we can't talk about it so much now, but, you know, across the rest of Malaysia as well. I mean, these are all sort of plans in the pipeline mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. To reach yeah. to more recipients yeah. around, not just in Klang Valley, mm. but 
you know, in Penang, in JB, in all the states, if we can, okay. we would love to do that. Yeah. yeah. But again, as you said, partnerships are so crucial to to mm-hmm. achieving all of this, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there are corporates or, or people out there listening right now, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to connect with us or contact us and even just have a conversation about doing something now or, you know, in the future, this is how things start. I mean, it, sometimes it's difficult to imagine how things ever begin, but everything begins with a raindrop. Everything starts with a small idea, you know. So if anyone out there is, is listening and wants to to be involved or kind of do their bit in their area, then we're always, always happy to to have a conversation. And volunteers also, of course, as you mentioned, play a huge role in all of this, right? Um, uh, how can individuals get involved or support the uh, the Lost Food Project? Not talking so much about corporates here. Uh, they can always reach out to us on Instagram at The Lost Food Project or through our website. Mm-hmm. And we welcome volunteers because they are a great part of the initiative that we that we, we are doing. And we will not be able to be where we are without their support. So we have about a thousand plus volunteers. Wow, guys, a thousand. Wow. We would love <laughs> more. <laughs> we welcome more. So it's uh, very simple. Just reach out to us and we'll send you the volunteer form. Just fill up the form because we want to be mindful of their time and their capability as well. We don't want to uh, put everything on them. Mm-hmm. So then in the form, Specifically, we there's a question that asks like which part of TLFP, the Lost Food Project, that you would like to contribute to, and then we'll work from there, and then uh, they'll come to the warehouse, little visit, little introduction, and that's how it starts. Yeah. Okay, and you want to give our listeners a, a, a kind of an idea of what sorts of like I guess skills or what sort of help would be most uh, useful to the organization. We actually welcome. Everything, whether you want to donate your time, um, um, your skills, for example, on the PR side, I'm always looking out for uh, content writers. (laughs) So anyone out there who love writing, um, you know, you can you can uh, donate your skills or if not, can just come in for uh, sorting time or help us deliver some of the uh, fresh produce to uh-huh. yeah because we also have this uh, we also have bread rescue where we um, go to the bakeries we rescue those breads and they're still uh, very good they're not expired or anything and then we deliver them directly to the homes mm-hmm. or to the charities okay mm-hmm. that's wonderful and- but it, but mm-hmm. I also I just um, also add that you know if um, Gayathri was saying that we we welcome everyone and that's absolutely true and we need you know if you're interested in fundraising or educational work um, any aspect of any business I mean we are a business effectively we're a, a business inside and we're a charity outside so if you are you know working um, in in finance if you're working in fundraising if you're working in education or HR or whatever skill you've got we we can use you know so um and sometimes it's just coming in having a conversation to see how we work and what you like um to do in the areas that we need help so there's always ways of of using everybody for sure okay and you know for for anyone who's listening in terms of like let's say capacity building and raising awareness right i mean that is something that you guys do a lot of uh how do you yeah how do you build on that um how do you get that message out or raise awareness about food waste and its consequences within communities um do are you also doing like educational programs or campaigns things like that anything you'd like to share with us so on the PR 
and comms side, we do have a lot of uh, campaigns planned for this year, Um, whether it's a branding or an awareness campaign or even just outreach to schools Mm. and universities. So a lot of uni university students reach out to us um, when they're doing their theses, Mm. especially for the subject matter that is related to the Lost Food Project. So we create awareness among the young uh, group uh, through education and uh, then campaigns through social media. So we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of posts, uh, daily posts, and trying to you know see what's trending as well. Course, so yeah. on that end, uh, and if Suzanne don't mind um, elaborating more, we also have an educational team which which are also volunteers that um, would go to schools and build CSR programs where they'll bring the students to the Lostwood project and introduce to them about what we do. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, did you want to add anything to that, Suzanne? No, I, d- I think that, you know, advocacy and education are so key in um, not necessarily our operations right now, but in, ch- in terms of being an agent of change and in terms of kind of bringing everyone to, the, I think, the same place we're in. And we also um, do this with corporates as well. We go in and and we give what we call lunch and learn programs. Mm. So if companies want to try and have a fun hour and to show that they're aligned to, um, you know, environmental um, betterment to, to change, we kind of go in and, you know, the, the company normally would provide the lunch to the staff to, to make sure they turn up. Uh, <laughs> and then we would have like a quiz and we have like prizes and even a booby prize and and we make it a lot of fun. It has to be hands-on. It has to be fun. We have to engage with people. If you lecture people, it's super boring. Yeah. You know, we have to bring people along with us. And we do that whether it be in the education, whether it be in the universities or the schools or the companies. And we, it gives us an opportunity to share a little bit more about the Lost Food Project and how people can get involved. Or how you can do your own little bit somehow, whether it's, you know, your own recipes or your own cooking at home, you know, or just... I guess inspiring people to make a tiny change to their lives because that's how how we you know as a as a society we everything changes it just a few sparks here and there there might be one person listening today that suddenly gets motivated and they make the biggest difference to Malaysia Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, um, you know, uh, again, a lot of support. You're doing really, really wonderful work. You've expanded so much, but, you know, more support needed, definitely, uh, especially from the corporates is what I'm getting from you guys as well. So, uh, you know, if anyone's interested, of course, just get in touch with the team. Yeah, just head to, yeah, go. How, how can we best do that? You can get in touch with me mm-hmm. or just um, you can ping us on social media, drop us a DM and um, I will send you <laughs> my number <laughs> contact me <laughs> okay yeah. okay excellent excellent so um and yeah it's such a critical thing to do such a, yeah you're you're so many different issues being sorted just through this one thing isn't it so it's rescuing lost food as it is and um yeah suzanne you know looking back did you ever imagine you know this would be how the lost food project would look like in 2024 well, it was difficult to, to know, really, because when we started out, you know, we were told that Malaysia wasn't ready for this. Malaysia wouldn't really want to go down this path. But, you know, I knew that looking at other countries, how big it could be if there is support from, you know, corporates, from charities, from government. So, um 
I just know, I guess you just never know. But what I didn't um, predict was obviously COVID and also the cost of living crisis, which is actually, I think, going to even get worse over time. Um, so I think that the impact we're making, not just us, but other charities too, on people's lives is is really big. And I think that if people kind of get involved and they see for themselves, it's it's quite kind of, I don't know, just seeing how people have to live is is very humbling and mm. also very motivating mm. because we're so privileged. You know, the fact that we're able to throw away food yeah. when there's people mm. that don't have food. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't know which way it would go, but I'm really, really happy that what we've achieved to date, and I know that we can achieve a huge amount more, but again, you know, we need we need support, we need partnership, we want collaborations, and any companies or people that want to be part of what we're doing, we welcome with open arms. Mm. Okay, all right. So again, you know, if you'd like to find out more, you can head to the website, of course. Uh, just search for the Lost Food Project or follow you guys on your social media channels. So that would be Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and LinkedIn. Yes. Okay, all right. So. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I know there's so much more that we can cover. So we will talk about, we will talk more, uh, you know, in the future about some of the other things that you guys are working on. Before I let you go, any last message or any concluding message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, Suzanne, you want to go first? Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say that, um, you know, there, there might be many companies who really want to show that they are aligned to environmental values that want to make a difference. But they're so busy doing their day-to-day works that, you know, it's difficult to to come up with a, a campaign or a, an idea, but we can actually really help them do this. Um, so if they're looking for an idea for, during Ramadan in particular, which is obviously very food focused, or another point in the year, whether it's the Earth Day or whether it's World Food Day, we are really happy to work with companies to help um, you know, have a fun event. Um, or if someone wants to, if you know, if you want to run the, the standard chartered marathon or another fun run, um, you know, we're, we're happy to uh, to come up with an idea to make it purposeful and meaningful, and to give some statistics, um, and to make sure people have a little bit of understanding and a bit of fun. Me personally, what I love to do is on Instagram. I love looking at hacks. I love making my own fertilizer. You know, like happy chucking in some eggshells and some lemons and whatever else. Leave them in water for a week, even or so. You know, then discard and keep the water and spray your plants. It's amazing if you look at kind of some of the the hacks out there. It's so much fun, and especially if you have children, to do it with your children. Um, so there's a lot of fun things that you can do if you sort of just scratch the surface and, and look on Instagram or, or even TikTok if you are if you have children that can use TikTok because I'm not very good at TikTok. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, could just look at your fridge, right, and see, okay, I've got this, 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 that might go to waste. Let's see what's on social media that I can actually use with this, right? So, yeah, look for life hacks, isn't it? So you also prevent food waste, yeah? Yes, we are also yeah. starting an educational life hack post on our Instagram oh, nice. every Friday. Oh, so nice. also look out for that <laughs> okay. and comment and engage with us in every way uh, that you can. And for me, I think um, since I joined the Lost Food Project, it's been really humbling because I actually do the community community outreach. So I, I, I visit this uh, the communities and I speak to them and uh, there was this one lady in particular, she came up to me and she was like, thank you so much. Because of the Lost Food Project, I'm able to have money to 
pay for my children's education to buy the textbooks and you know the the uniforms because she didn't need to spend so much money on groceries anymore because we've been providing it on a weekly basis yeah. so that really humbled me and really touched my heart like and moments like that makes me um feel more present with with my with you know more present and aware with with what's around me and makes me want to do uh, things out of my heart so at the lawsuit project it's not just work it's not just a job for me it it means more it's actually a part of me so that's that's my experience very so. blessed very very good excellent well, ladies thank you so much uh, for joining me today so again folks you know if you'd like to get in touch just search for the lost food project uh, either their website or find them on social media so there's facebook instagram or linkedin uh, but if you miss any part of today's show you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my/earth you can also find it on the bfm app my thanks again to both of my guests i was speaking to Suzanne Mooney the founder of the lost food project and guy 3 liu the PR and Communications Manager of the Lost Food Project. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.